0: Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live.
1: Well, good morning. God's good. And I feel blessed to be here today. Uh, Please be seated, make yourself comfortable this morning. I'm delighted to spend this time Sunday school with you, or first word, or whatever you call it here. Um, I love y'all because I can say y'all, and you know what I mean. I travel in some places. Boy, they think I'm a redneck, and here I'm sophisticated. <laughs> Praise God! You had the—they had their. Uh, whatever next steps or whatever you call your little gathering, the first steps, little gathering there in the office. We came in, we got ready to drive here today and they are getting ready to come. My wife said, I'd kind of like to maybe swing by Tim Hortons and grab a muffin or something, you know? And I said, well, we can do that. But I said, I, every time we've been here, they've always had some fruit and little muffins and stuff there in the office. We walked in today, they had biscuits and gravy. <laughs> I was like, I am among my people. When you've got when you got the biscuits of gravy spread, you're just among God's people. That's all I got to say. Amen. So it's a delight to be with you. I'll say more in the eleven o'clock service, perhaps. I'm I'm delighted to get to spend this time with you this morning in Sunday school. And um, Pastor had informed me that presently you're in a, a series or a study or a time or whatever, however you choose to call that, where he'd been talking to you about doctrine. And so he said, "Just teach whatever you want. Just make it. Just that's the theme. Do something about doctrine." So I'm going to try to do that today, and um, I'm going to tell you that of all the subjects that could be addressed in a church, that's a real important subject right there. Consider what what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy four thirteen. He writes to this young man that he is grooming in the gospel. Certainly, this young man is a preacher of the gospel, but the principle applies to us all. Paul says to him, till I come. He says, I'm going to come visit you again. Till I get there, give attendance. Give your focus, give your attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. He says, till I come, you should give your attention put some focus on the doctrine. Now, so let's pause a moment today and be sure we're on similar terms. Let's understand what that word means, what we're discussing. In one word, doctrine means teachings. It's teachings or something that is taught from a biblical perspective, that's what the word means. Dictionary.com, which is hardly a theological masterpiece, But uh, dictionary.com defines the words this way. A particular principle, position, or policy taught or advocated by a group. Okay? So they would say that doctrine is the core set of beliefs which a group, in this case the church, believes and teaches. It's what we hold as the basic tenets of our faith. Now I want to be clear about something today. Doctrine is not true because we believe it. We believe it because it's true. It it is not true because we believe it because I could firmly believe and passionately teach something erroneous. It's not doctrine just because we believe it. So, So doctrine is not simply the collective set of what we believe because we could believe something wrong. Doctrine has to be grounded in something, and I'll get to that a little later. But doctrine, when it is established by the word of God, is vital because it is the unshakable anchor for our souls. As a child of God, you should seek to get the doctrine of the church, the teachings and the core belief structure of the church so firmly rooted in your life that nothing can shake that away from you. That's the goal. That's not brainwashing. That's, That's not some kind of cultish behavior. It is digging into that book and getting the teachings of that book so based down deep in your heart, that no matter what you go through, no matter what somebody else tells you, no matter what book comes out on the public scene, no matter what our culture has to say about it, it cannot shake the doctrine that's in your life. That must be the quest that we have. Some things just need to be settled. I had somebody just in the last 48 hours sent me a message, it was a joke, sent me a message and said, Brother Graham, you're you're our general secretary of the UPCI, which doesn't mean all that much to you, don't worry about it, but he said, I've got a question, and I don't know what's coming, I sent him a text back, I said, fire away, he said, did Adam have a belly button? He said, what is the official position of the UPCI on this soul-stirring question? I said, I am not the official position speaker for belly buttons, but my gut says no because fig leaves don't produce lint, so it would have had very few purposes, you know? So I don't really care if you spend from now till Jesus comes pondering and questioning. Did Adam have a belly button? Don't call me. So you can have that question and never be real sure and settle on that one. I don't really have an issue with that. But is Jesus Christ God? You better have that one settled. Is he one and his name is Jesus? You better have that one settled. Must a man be born again of water and spirit to go to heaven? You better get that one settled. So I am merely saying that when it comes to doctrine, we must seek and endeavor to ground those things in our lives so solidly that nothing can shake those. So that what you believe right now will be what you believe 10 years from now and 20 years from now and 50 years from now. Well, shouldn't I grow in my knowledge and understanding of God? Absolutely. I hope you know more about him 20 years from now than you know right now. But if you know more about him 20 years from now, you won't know any other doctrine because that's not going to change. All right, so let's note what Paul wrote to the Ephesian church in 4 and 14. He said that we henceforth be no more children, it, it, it's, it's immature children spiritually that are tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Just, just jerk hither and the wind blows this way and it pulls you over there a while. And the wind blows that way and it pulls you over there a while. He said that's kid stuff. When you grow up, you, you, you get a grip on the doctrine and it doesn't it, winds don't jerk you around like that. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. It is important to note that in this verse, Paul equates changing your doctrine with deception. He doesn't call it revelation. He calls it deception. In the course of your life, you will regrettably, almost unquestionably encounter people as I have who seem to suddenly depart from the faith. Now in reality they don't suddenly depart it's just you couldn't see it for a while. It was a work down here before you could see it manifest itself. But from appearance sake it appears they very suddenly depart from the faith and they almost without exception claim to have a new revelation. They espouse and proclaim a new doctrine. This is exactly the deception that Paul speaks of. God's word will not change. And so our doctrine will not change if we remain committed to his word. This doctrine is the very foundation of the church. The core tenets of faith that your pastor has, is and has and will teach to you, Are it's the foundation. Ephesians 2 and 19, Now therefore, be ye no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He said, your life and my life, his church is built on an unshakable foundation. It is the doctrine that has come to us from the word of God. It's not built on personalities, not on the apostles' personalities, but on their principles. Not even on their actions, but on their Teachings. The apostolic church has stood throughout the centuries, not because Peter was a great administrator, not because Paul was a gifted writer. It has withstood every test of time because of this commitment, which was established in the very first days of the church existence, Acts 2 42, and they continued, everybody read the next word with me, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The reason the church was able to withstand the assault of Rome, the reason the church was able to withstand the, Stephen, the persecution of Stephen, the reason it could stand was not because they had this great structure. It was brand new. They didn't have any structure, but they had a doctrine. I want to tell you today, you know how we're going to stand in this crazy world we're living in? I mean, I, I, I love the United States Church, but you're not, to, you're not going to stand just because you're part of the UPCI. We're going to stand if we're grounded on doctrine. Our young people that just came back from Youth Congress, you've got to be grounded on this doctrine. You're growing up in a goofy world. Man, I'm going to try to be kind, but we had which bathroom to use figured out when I was in kindergarten. And now you need a college degree and even that doesn't do it for you. How do you navigate a world like that? You ground your life in the doctrine. That's what will let you stand. To be steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. Preach it, teach it, live it, love it. Hmm. Second Timothy 4, Paul warns, that young preacher, 2 Timothy 4 and 2, preach the word. He says to him, Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering, and better make that a part of your preaching, Timothy, he says. For time will come. Now watch, just throw this out at a minute. I doubt if anybody here is thinking this, but somebody might hear the recording. Nobody here but feels like this, but somebody might watch the live stream. I don't know why. Pastor spending 14 Sunday mornings teaching us doctrine. We already believe that's why we're here. Here's why. For the time will come. It's going to come. When they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, their own desires, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto, I'd like to base your eternity on the tortoise and the hare. It's a great story, but I don't want to rent bank my eternity on it. He said, if you ever turn your back on this truth, you're going to wind up believing in fables. A refusal to be unwaveringly committed to doctrine, to be passionately in love with doctrine. In fact, I'll even say a resistance to having the doctrine repeated to you again and again leads inexorably to turning from truth to fables. God's church will stand on the doctrine. Our local church, your local church, the anchor church, will stand or fall based on your commitment to his doctrine. Here's how serious God's word concerns the, considers the matter. Wow. 2 John. Verse 10, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him godspeed speed. Now, now that, please understand, that doesn't mean you can't have a house guest that didn't baptize in Jesus' name. He wasn't talking about somebody just showing up. He's talking about, he's, he's writing to protect the church. He said, if you, John John says, look man, you're, you're, if you're pastoring the church, and some yahoo who comes by and wants to preach and doesn't believe this. Don't welcome him in your house. And don't bid him Godspeed. I'm not gonna look at somebody that's preaching a damnable false doctrine and say, Well, God bless you. I hope you do great. Can't do that. That violates that word. I can't bid them Godspeed. His church rests on the teaching given to us by the apostles and the prophets. It stands on a firm commitment to that doctrine. And we better recognize and celebrate this fact. This doctrine saves our souls. This is important stuff. This is life and death. And it's more than life and death. It's eternal life and eternal death. This matters. What? a church preaches and teaches will have an impact, an eternal impact on those who are there. It was this doctrine and our obedience to it that afforded us salvation in the first place. Romans six seventeen. But God be thanked, past tense, that you were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart <laughs> that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. You want to know why you're not what you used to be? You obeyed the doctrine that saves our souls. But here's the thing: we've all experienced that. Thank God. I mean, I, I trust most of you that are going to have. If you have never been baptized in Jesus' name and never been filled with the Holy Ghost, man, welcome to the day that's going to change your life. This is wonderful. But the doctrine not only saved us on a distant day in the past that you came to the altar and had your God moment, it has an ongoing effect. Paul told Timothy in 4.16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and you're going to save other people too. This doctrine has an ongoing effect not only because it saved us in our past, but it has an effect of saving those who hear the testimony of the church going forward. That's why it is so vital that we stay passionately committed to the identity of the apostolic church. No matter how crazy the world goes, this message, this doctrine still works. Anybody besides me feeling more and more like a stranger in this world? Oh, my goodness, folks. I, I've never felt more like a pilgrim than here. I, I've, had, I've been privileged to travel to a few countries here and there. A few years ago, um, I made a trip to South Korea. It was a wonderful experience. I, I thoroughly loved going. I preached their national camp meeting, and it was it was a great experience. I had I had a wonderful time, really did. It was it was unique. I wanted to go for any number of reasons. Uh, my dad fought in the Korean conflict in the early 50s, so just going back to that country I had kind of a unique. Just I wanted to do that, you know. My dad had, my dad had suffered a stroke and was. It, it, it had really kind of robbed him of his personality. That was one of the effects it had. He just didn't, he didn't laugh. He didn't cry. He didn't, there was a lot of not much in the way of emotions. It was pretty much gone. So I called my dad when I got the invitation to go over, and I said, Dad, if I gave you 100 guesses, you'd never guess where I, if the Lord tarries, and he bless me, where I'm going to get to go preach. <laughs> On the phone, he said, Where? And I said, Well, in a couple of years, the Lord be good to me. I'm going go to I'm gonna go to South Korea. My dad said, been there, didn't like it. (laughs) I said, dad, they're they're probably not gonna have me in a foxhole. Uh, Chinese soldiers shooting at me with a Russian Kalashnikov rifles. probably not the experience I'm gonna have. He said, I'm just saying, wouldn't go back. That's why I'm not gonna take you, so we're okay. But I, I made that journey. And uh, I've been privileged to be a lot of places around the world. I never felt more like a foreigner than I felt there. It was a unique feeling. I'd never been to Asia. I'd never been to any of those countries. The average Korean don't look like me. I'm really tall and other things. I don't, you know, if I'm, in, if I'm in Europe or South America, I may not speak the language, but unless I'm in Russia or one of the, I can at least read the letters. That's, I think that's a goat. <laughs> that, that next letter might be an aardvark, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I can't even peace. I felt so foreign. I couldn't speak their language. I couldn't understand what they were doing. I'm just walking along lost in this, in this very strange world that I was immersed in. I had a great time. I don't, want to, I don't want to create the wrong impression. The church was wonderful. Preaching them was great, but it just was so, I didn't fit. That's how I feel right now in this world. I feel like I'm walking along and I can't even understand what they're talking about. What 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 do you mean? You don't know what marriage means. I, it's just, it's just. You understand what I'm saying? And the more I make my way through this strange world, the more I'm understanding. I don't fit here. I'm not a citizen here. I love your American flag. I'm patriotic to the core. My daddy fought for this country. Don't don't mess with. I think it's the greatest nation in the history of the planet, but I'm not a citizen here. I'm a citizen there. And and I don't fit here. So my life, oh, hallelujah, my life has to be grounded on something that did not come from here. My constitution comes from there. And I build my life and my family on the unshakable principles of the doctrine of Christ. Consider that Paul wrote to Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 7. He says this to him He said, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, watch this, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity when it comes to how we handle this doctrine it better be uncorrupted it it can't be tainted by human philosophies or opinions of critics it's got to be uncorrupted we better treat it with gravity this is serious stuff your salvation your family's salvation depends on how committed you are to the doctrine those that you will influence depend on your commitment to the doctrine that that that's there's some gravity in that i've pastored a church i've pastored church for 15 years i'm a recovering pastor you know what's the easiest thing in the world to do not take a stand that's easy, just don't preach anything. Don't, don't take a line on anything. It's whatever you want, whatever you believe. That's easy, but it leads a congregation to hell thinking they're going to heaven. There's some gravity to this thing. That man's gonna stand one day and answer to God for what he preaches over this pulpit. You don't think that's scary? You try it, but it ain't just him. You're going to answer to God for your doctrinal beliefs and how much you love the truth. Because that book says, and I don't have this verse on screen, that book says he comes back and pours out vengeance not just on those that don't have the truth, but on those that don't love the truth. We better fall in love with this thing. This isn't a burden. This doesn't make us weird. This makes us his. So anchor your soul in this. He says, in uncorruptness and gravity and in sincerity, sincerity, live this thing out, out of a pure heart and a pure life. Okay. Let me me forge ahead just a little bit here. Okay, computer, don't be messing with me now. This would be the wrong time to be messing with me now. And it's messing with me, you heathen thing. Probably false doctrine. It's crazy thing. <laughs> Cast a devil out of this rascal. All right, here we go. I know some of y'all some of you right now are going, Paper don't do that. <laughs> Anybody besides me, let's have an honesty moment. Anybody besides me ever looked at a picture, a physical picture? Somebody hands you a picture and you can't see it, you try to zoom in on it. I've done it. <laughs> and then you look around to see if anybody saw. Now, let me let me make a statement here, and, and you gotta make me a couple promises. You gotta promise that you won't leave until I'm done. And you gotta promise not to quote out of context. Okay? But here's here, here here's the statement to to continue here. There is more than one doctrine: heresy, <laughs> blasphemy. Somebody call the General Secretary. That's me, it's not gonna do any good. (laughs) Besides, I'm not wrong. First of all, I didn't say there's more than one gospel. There's not. Paul's very clear to that, Galatians one and six. I marvel, he said that you're soon removed from him that called you under the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. He says, "But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which you've rec- that we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed." And as we said before, so say I now again: If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Do you hear what he said? You're sitting here on Sunday, and 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 pastor's about to get up preaching before he can an angel, six foot, glowing white. He says, I've come to declare to you today that it does not matter how you're baptized. You know what this church's response is to be? You're accursed. That's how serious God takes this. So I don't care if an angel shows up and tries to preach another gospel, curse that man, not cuss him, curse him. There is only one gospel. But there's not only one doctrine. If there were only one doctrine, then verses like the following would not exist. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine? Hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Colossians 2 and 20. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Let me jump on down to like verse 22. After the commandments and doctrines of men. Revelation 2.14 talks about the doctrine of Baal. Revelation 2.15 talks about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. I can even go further than that. 1 Timothy 4 and 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There is obviously more than one doctrine. However, there's only one doctrine. True doctrine. Now, now, when you say that, see, man, you talk about flying counterculture. Oh, man, in this world, you can't stand up and say, this is true. They have this crazy phrase they use. Brother Wilson talked about this in his message on, on was it Friday morning? It's a goofy phrase. Well, that's my truth. You have your truth, I have my truth i to break this to you. You don't have a truth. There is the truth and there are fables. There's nothing in between. You don't get the luxury of having your truth. You are not God. You don't get to define truth. Just because you believe it doesn't make it truth. So there are all kinds of doctrines but there's only one that's true. So therefore, how are we going to know? Well, our doctrine must come from an unshakable, inerrant source. Doctrine must come from the Bible. Now, I don't mean to be ugly, it just comes natural sometimes. But doctrine is not defined by what my grandmama believed. She might have been a wonderful person, but she does not get to define doctrine. And you say, well, are you telling me my grandma went to hell? I don't think I said that. I'll leave people in the hands of God. He's God and I'm not. But I will do this. I will declare the doctrine that is found in this book. And I'll do nothing more and I'll do nothing less. The doctrine comes from the word of God. Okay, let's let's hearken back for just a moment to the words in Psalm 19 and 9. Here's what the word of the Lord says. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Watch this. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now now that was in the Psalms. Let's jump forward and look at the words of John the Revelator in Revelation 16 and 7. And I heard another voice out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. The testimony from the psalmist is applied to the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation. When the man Christ Jesus prays, what is often referred to as his high priest prayer, in John 17, he makes this statement John 17 and 17, saying, Through thy truth, thy word is truth. It is not sufficient for your doctrines to be based on your family's spiritual heritage, as wonderful as it may be, on long-standing habit or tradition, well, that's just what I've always been, or on your feelings or on your opinions or on anyone else's opinions. Your faith must be based on something else. You know why it's not safe to base it on those? Those could all be wrong. But this book is always Right? Your belief structures, your doctrine must be based on the word of God because it is, it has been, and it always will be right. If the word of God declares something to be true, it really doesn't matter. You know, I have told, I've told the church that I led, God has this little identity crisis. He thinks he's God. And, and he doesn't govern by surveys, public opinion polls. Gallup does not direct God. If the word of God declares something to be true, it is, doesn't matter. It makes a cute bumper sticker, you know, that one that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But it's not right, because it really doesn't matter if you believe it or not. God said it, that settles it. You are not that consequential. I'll break it to you. I don't have to believe it for it to be right. If God said it, that's adequate. So then our faith, our confidence in, our doc- in the doctrine must be settled on what he says. It is why in Romans 10, 17, it says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we hear what God says, we have a framework in which to establish our doctrinal beliefs. God opened up something to me one time. I've shared it before. It's, just, it's very interesting to me. Jacob is, uh, is about to steal the birthright from Esau, right? You remember the story? He's going to go into Isaac and deceive his daddy, and he's going to get the birthright. Now, now he, he launches quite a plan, you know. Isaac's eyesight has failed him. He cannot see. So, so he's going to fool him that way. He uh, he takes some goat meat and seasons it up so it'll taste like the venison that Esau makes, so it'll fool him there. Uh, He he skinned a goat and put that hide on his hands and on his neck so that when he felt it, how hairy was Esau? Dear father, when you can pet a goat i say, that feels like my boy. That's a hairy kid. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just telling you what he said. He reached out and touched a goat hide. said, that's Esau. <laughs> Man, get that guy a gift certificate or some electrolysis or something, my Lord. That is a hairy critter. <laughs> <laughs> He said, watch, it it feels like Esau, tastes like what Esau brings. I can't see him, so he smells like the field. Well, I guess so he's wearing a goat. He said it, he he smells like the field. Watch, watch. But his voice, what, what I'm hearing doesn't seem right. So it really doesn't matter what I feel. What do I hear? <laughs> doesn't matter what I see. What do I hear? You need to hear me right now. Well, I went, down that, I went down that church, they don't believe like us, I saw some guy get out of a wheelchair. I don't care what you saw. What'd you hear? Man, I, I went down and, whoo, I felt something. I don't care what you felt. What did you hear? All all of your senses can be deceived, but faith cometh by hearing. You better be careful making faith decisions based on what you feel. Better be careful making faith decisions based on what you see. You get deceived by that stuff. Isaac, if you had stuck with what you heard, you'd have said, man, in spite of what I feel and in spite of what I see, you are not the voice of truth. Somebody's got to be willing to take a stand and say, I, I don't get, I don't, they may have a bigger building, but it's not about what I see. They, they, they may have, I, I mean, they may have seen, There may have been a miracle, but it's not about what I see. And, 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 yeah, boy, I felt something. Woo, I, felt, I don't care. What did you hear? Unless they are preaching the doctrine of the mighty God in Christ and being born again of water and spirit, it matters not a bit what you see or what you feel. It's about what you hear because faith cometh by hearing. Never one time will you find a place in the Bible where the Lord said, he that hath an eye to see, let him see. But he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. What's the word of God say? I'm gonna hasten here, doctrine must come from the Bible because the Bible is true, okay? Doctrine must come from the Bible because the Bible is comprehensive. By that I mean it covers every area of your life. This book is a marvel. If someone will simply live their life by what this book covers, Its principles will guide your relationships, your finances, your morality, your speech, your business, your character, your parenting, your appearance, your emotional health and your spiritual well-being all in one book. When it comes to doctrine, when it comes to teaching of this book, it and it alone can guide a person from here to heaven, there is no source from which we can draw the complete map of a successful life while we sojourn here except this book. 2 Peter 1 and 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. All things, all things. He's given us everything you need to get to heaven. It's in that book. You say, are you against other books? No, 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 no. I'm against any book that contradicts with this book. No, I think you ought to read. He told Timothy, give yourself to reading. But, that, but, but what you read better harmonize with this book. Hmm. So, it's improper to accept the scripture's instruction about how to forgive others but reject its teachings in matters of appearance. Well, I, he, they're, I know they don't look quite like us, Pastor, but they're so kind, they're good. But just because they have abided by scriptures about kindness doesn't mean we can reject scriptures about separation. improper to look this book for guidance about managing money, but look, other words, for practices of the greater Christian community for a pattern of how to be baptized. You can't do that. Well, this book's got, I I follow some of the teachings, but we don't get to do that. Either this book is God's word, and its doctrine, its teaching defines all areas of our life, or it's not God's word, and we just pick and choose those points to believe that we like best. So I direct you for all, all your doctrinal beliefs to this book. This book, this book was crafted by God to provide all things we need for life and godliness. And finally, I'll finish right here. Doctrine must come from the Bible because the Bible is unchanging. (laughs) Things in this life change. Times, ideas, perspectives. I marvel at how much this culture has shifted during the last couple of decades. Your feelings, sometimes hour by hour, and even you change over time. You'll think differently about some things 20 years from now than you do right now but that those things can't include the doctrine that can't change psalm 119 89 forever O lord thy word is settled in heaven some things are settled folks it's, we're not still trying to figure it out it's settled the doctrines of this book were not simply applicable or appropriate for the first century church they were true then They were true in 325 AD when the Council of Nicaea met. They were true in the fifth century when Rome fell. They were true in the Dark Ages. They were true during the Reformation. They were true in the 17th century when religious settlements arrived on this continent. They were true in the, in the sec, First and Second Great Awakenings in the 1700s, 1800s. They were true at the dawn of the 1900s when Pentecost uh, broke out in Topeka and in Royal Seco and, and Azusa Street. They were true in 1945 when the United Pentecostal Church formed. And I got news for you. I don't know how you can avoid it, but if the Lord doesn't come back for another thousand years, that word will still be true. His word and its doctrines has always been true and they will always be true. I can show you the scope of it, I'll finish here I think. Psalm 119. And verse 160, I love this verse because of the two directions it looks. Psalm 119 and 160. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. You look backward, you can look forward, it doesn't matter. His word has been, is, and will always be true. And so if you dare try to base your doctrine on anything in this world, it's gonna shift, It's going to change. If you try to be governed by public opinion, well, you know, nobody's supposed to take a stand for anything. You're not supposed to. Well, sorry. none of those voices that are telling us that are God. And God said, my word is true. And it will always be true. And so that anchor point, that anchor point. I'll finish with this. I have a friend who lives in South Florida. He ain't right. give you evidence of that. Several years ago there was a big hurricane coming to South Florida, and I said, uh, I called him, I almost called his name, that was dangerous. Bob, it's not his name. I called him, I said, hey Bob, I said, y'all get out okay? Nah, we'll ride it out. I said, really? Yeah, i be all right. I live in St. Louis, relatively hurricane-free in St. Louis. So as the storm started to come ashore, I called him again. I said, how y'all doing? He said, oh, man, we're having a ball. I said, you're having fun? He said, oh, man. He said, me and the boys are out in the backyard. He said, we have a sheet. He said, if you grab the four corners of that sheet, it will pick you up and carry you across the yard. I said, how you come down? He said, let go. <laughs> this man and his teenage boys were in the yard in a hurricane, <laughs> holding the four corners of a bed sheet, picking them up. He said, you just let go on one side, and come down. vote <laughs> however I've known folks everyone to doctrine let's ride that one a little while see how high that'll take us if it doesn't work out I just let go might get a little bruised I'll call my way back up the altar till the next wind comes by. You know what's a lot safer than letting the wind carry you around? Grab hold of something. When that wind's blowing. ever seen those little clips from the newscast? That guy's <laughs> and he's whole, you know what he's, you know what he wants? You know what he wants really? A bigger paycheck. But at that moment, you know what he wants? Something to hold on to. This thing's stronger than I am, and it's going to blow me off course and it's going to injure me and it may injure my family but if I can just get a hold of something that will not move I can ride this thing out and I'm going to be okay I'm telling somebody grab a hold of a one God Jesus name doctrinal anchor point that cannot be shaken and will not be moved and it doesn't matter what winds blow through our political climate it doesn't matter what winds blow through our college campuses you just grab hold of something that cannot move and say it was true today, it's going to be true tomorrow and I will stand I think everybody ought to lift your hands and celebrate the goodness of God for just a minute and rejoice in his doctrine and rejoice in this truth we are so blessed Come on, lift your hands and
0: lift your voices all over this building. Come on, I think everybody ought to stand to your feet. Lift your hands and lift your voices and shout unto the Lord, thank you for your word. That word is forever settled, oh God. We don't want anything, Lord, outside of your word. Nothing more, nothing less. We're thankful for your word, oh God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we want to hold on to your word. We want to never let go of your word. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Thank you, God. Come on, church, let's hold it near to us. Let's hold it close to us. In the name of Jesus. I'm so thankful for the teaching of the word of God. I think we ought to clap our hands and thank God for truth preaching. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I remember when I first moved to this city, it was common conversation among pastors here that would make public statements and they would say, we need to stop teaching doctrine. Every gathering I went to, they'd say, we need to quit preaching doctrine. We just need to unite on faith. We exited that. Because you can't be saved without that book. You can't be saved without truth preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother Graham, I didn't know. I know you you were teaching, teaching doctrine. I didn't know you were going to talk about the storm. Last night I had a dream. Last night I was in a in a house. It was like at a at a campground um, of, of church. And the house was incomplete. And I looked out, and I was working on the house. I looked out the window, and I could see winds blowing very, very strong. And uh, there was a, a man that I don't know was out, and he was sort of the lead carpenter there at the camp. And they were nice houses, but I looked out, and there was wind blowing, objects started picking up, and it became stronger and stronger and stronger. until I looked. I'm looking out the window, and I thought, I didn't know there was a storm coming. And I looked out the window and I could see debris going horizontal. And I ran out to the other end of the house and I looked and there was a storm cloud like I hadn't seen, and I knew a tornado was coming unexpectedly. And immediately when I saw the storm, I realized the house wasn't finished. And I looked and there's my niece asleep and the storm's coming. I immediately tried to find something that would hold me in when the wind was blowing. And we got low and got down and held on until when the storm passed, I looked out and saw blue skies again, but we stayed right where we were. And I look, I'm telling you right now, there are winds that are coming. But I know that it will hold on to his word. It's not just going to save me. It's going to save me and my house. I don't want my, come on, I don't want this next generation to be lost because we don't have anything to hold on to. How I many know we've got the truth? I think we're to clap my hands and shout to the Lord, thank God for truth. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his power. In the name of Jesus. I, I do. I think we ought to just take a moment. Thank you for the truth we've been hearing the last few weeks. Thank you for the truth we heard today. We're going to fall in love with your word. I do think it'll be appropriate this time we go into prayer. I know you're going to go get your children and the different classes we have going on, amen, but we want this room to become a place of prayer. If You're going to fellowship in the, the sanctuary. Keep it quiet. Otherwise, go to the foyer, amen. God bless you. Aren't we so glad for the Word of God today? I feel so moved in my spirit. Amen. We'll see you here in a few minutes for family worship. God bless you.